welcome to 3FPC, where we talk about movies, TV, comic books, and video games. I'm Dan. I'm Alex. And this week we're going to be talking about the most underrated films that we can think of, as well as our usual comic book reviews. So, um, to start off with, uh, just got to load it up, um, I'm going to be covering the uh, Cowl comic. Uh, can't remember who that's by. Can't really see it on my notes, but... I'll give you the synopsis and hopefully I'll figure it out in a minute. Uh, Welcome to Chicago Organized Workers League, the world's finest superhero labor union. While Cal once stood as a beacon for hope against the epidemic of organized crime and an unbeatable brotherhood of supervillains, the union now faces its fiercest foe of all, a disillusioned public. In targeting the last of the great villains, Cal attempts to prove it's the value of the world to each other while starving off villainy from both outside and inside its offices. Uh, this comes, the stories by Carl Hiddings and Alec Siegel, Alec Siegel, with art by uh, Rod Reeves and a cover by Trevor McCarthy. Uh, so yeah, that's um, Cal. The, uh, the, the artwork actually looks rather kind of in-depth and quite mature. Yeah, it's almost, it's all very dark, almost black and white with a hint of like browns yeah. and sepia. Yeah, I think they call it. Is it Sepia? I have no idea. I try to be professional sometimes. Just it doesn't. Oh, and that's through Image Comics. Uh, All right. Well, the comic first comic I'm going to be recommending is uh, Doctor Who: The Tenth Doctor, and the sign-ups for this one is uh, Gabriela Go. Sorry, Gabriela Gonzalez is stuck in a dead-end job in her family's New York laundromat. Dreaming of college and bigger and better and brighter things. So when a strange man with an even stranger blue box barges into her life on the eve of the Day of the Dead celebrations, talking about an infestation of psychic aliens, she seizes her chance for adventure with both hands. After Donna's tragic exit, the doctor thought he was done with new companions, but Gabby Gonzalez is going to prove him wrong if she survives the night. This uh, movie, this uh, comic is brought to you by Titan, and its writer is Nick Abadziz, and the artist, or artists this time, is Alice X. Zhang and Elena Casagrande. Right, uh, my next one is from Marvel Comics, and it is a comic I'm very excited to um, read, and that is... uh, Rocket Raccoon. Um, sorry about the squeak in the chairs we're sitting on today. Fucking awful. But um, yeah, got this all new incontinuity series for, for Rocket Raccoon. Um, as defenders of the cosmos, Ro- Rocket Raccoon has faced his fair share of galactic battles. He's been a hero for the, of the weak and a champion of good, a protector of the innocent, a heartthrob to many intergalactic female species and now a raccoon on the run. Uh, Superstar Scotty Young um, brings his A-game as a writer and artist on the series we've been waiting decades for. Because let's be real, this is the only Guardian of the Galaxy you actually care about. And that's actually a very true statement. I don't give a fuck about um, any of the um, other stuff. Like, I don't really care about... uh, more or anyone like that. I just want Rocket Raccoon and Groot. 
Yeah, I have to admit they are like the big kind of stars of the film, which must make the main uh, Star Lord feel kind of <laughs> inadequate, seeing as he seems to be the protagonist. <laughs> yeah. Well, seeing as you're on Star Lord, I'll do my next comic as it is a Star Lord yeah. comic. It's um, Legendary Star Lord number one. From the pages of Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, words, a brand new series from Sam Humphreys and Paco Medina. In this exciting first issue, Peter Quill battles the Badoon, fights to save an orphanage, and still finds time for some flirting with Kitty Pride. But it's all in a day for Star Lord. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's all we got to say for that one. Yeah, it? right. There is Sam Humphreys, as I've mentioned, with um, art by Paco Medina and Steve McNiven, and that's also from Marvel Comics. And speaking of Marvel Comics, we've also got the Savage Hulk. Now. Um, this isn't going to be a synopsis, this is more of a, because I've actually had time to read this one. Um, the artist is Alan Davis. That's the writer. That's the, Sorry, the writer is Alan Davis. Uh, the artist is... The artists are... Uh, Mark Farmer and Matt Hollingsworth. Uh, let's just check that. Give us a sec to open it. <laughs> open it into condition. So many people were at, at home cringing at the thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you opened an issue of Savage Hulk, which will not apparently tell us who the artists did what. They um, don't want credit. Alan Davis, who was the writer and penciler, with Mark Farmer as the inker and Matt Hollingsworth as the colourist. There you go. Colourists. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's all the comic book recommendations what? for the week. Well, we haven't actually spoken about what Savage Hulk oh, yeah. is about. <laughs> well, I don't know yet. So oh, I don't know it. Ah, for once I know things. Um, it's it's basically the, this first issue. Um, it's basically Hulk versus X Men. Well, they're talking about the battle between Hulk versus X Men. There's not actually that much. The cover's battle. a bit misleading. Yeah, the cover really is. I thought, ah, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to see Hulk smash Cyclops in the face. But no, uh, basically what it is is um. The X-Men team are looking for Bruce Banner's lab. Uh, apparently, uh, something of Bruce Banner's helps Xavier come out of a coma. And they want to find a way to help Bruce get rid of his gamma radiation, as Bruce is always trying to do. Yeah. So, um, I won't go into too much detail about that, because, well spoilers and stuff and you should read it yourself because we've recommended it so go read it yourself yeah <laughs> uh, these recommendations come from room 237 on albert road in portsmouth uh, the guy called guys called sean palmer uh, if you go in just mention like the kind of thing you're into he'll sit he'll discuss it with you maybe offer you some recommendations of his own he just gives these ones for us every week and remember to tell him we sent you because that'll make us look good yeah <laughs> But that's it for the comic book recommendations. Now it's that that's it for the comic book recommendations. Yes. We've talked about everything, haven't we? <laughs> I do believe so. Um, so now on to the main topic of most underrated films that we can think of. Yeah, we've uh, decided to have three each. Um, one thing we should cover right now is the fact Tom isn't with us. Uh, that's because... <laughs> yeah, that obviously because um, the reason was is he's currently moving stuff around, moving houses and stuff, so he wasn't available to do this episode. Uh, so we miss you, Tom. We really do. 
if you're listening, you better fucking listen. Otherwise, we're talking to. I think no he one. will listen at some point. Um, maybe. <laughs> I was about to say when he edits this, but then I realised we're not on the. No, that's the the new segment, which is now on YouTube. <laughs> so, uh, I'm shall I kick us off? Yeah, go go ahead. Um, I'm going to kick us off with. Um, I'm going to start off. I've got two comic book movies, so I'll get down out of the way first. Seeing as they're what we do. Well, actually, I might do one than the other. Um, Whichever floats your boat. Um, I'm going to start off with uh, X-Men Origins. Now, a lot of people slate this film for a lot of the bad things. And one thing I want to say is, none of the films I recommend, I consider and say they are flawless. They really do have some big flaws in them. But I feel like people over-exaggerate those flaws. Like, yes, there is some pretty bad CGI in that film. But the action's good. And yes, they've ruined our, two of our favourite characters, which I know is why you're staring at me. No, actually, you know, it's not. I was sitting there thinking, yeah, people should stop being elitist. <laughs> it, it's not really elitist to like good CGI in a film that... that no, but you know that's a lot of the reason that people hate X-Men Origins, because it doesn't actually mesh well with this, that and the other. Yeah, a lot of people, like, I sat there, when I watch it, I sit there and I see the CGI claws in that bit where he's in the bathroom of the um, old people's house after he gets the adamantium. And it's not very good CGI, those claws. But it doesn't ruin the movie. The movie has solid action. It's a pretty decent story when you get down to it. A lot of people slate the story as well. I like the story. No, CGI claws are terrible. Whole film ruined. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just feel like this wasn't a good like movie in my opinion. It's not the best movie ever. It's not the worst movie ever. Ever. It's a good solid middle movie. For an X Men movie, it was actually quite good because. They are pretty much my favourite series of movies, but there are flaws in them, which have, spoiler alert, been kind of uh, retconned in um, Days of Future Past. Now we've got this new stuff happening. But I just feel like this gets unnecessary hate. Yeah, um, it's, it was a good film. I mean, there were, were parts, and you know there are parts that I dislike about it. I dislike parts of it as well. Uh, can't really actually remember right now because I have a terrible memory but I remember there were parts I disliked <laughs> oh. oh that's the oh oh god <laughs> that's basically most people's reaction to Deadpool oh, god, in that movie Deadpool. why why yeah it's like I said <laughs> like yeah, I did enjoy up. it up to that point I remember everything now I enjoyed it up to that point and the, oh. the thing is, if it wasn't for the look of Deadpool and the fact they took his mouth away, and the fact that Gambit got a good 10 minutes of screen time and that was it, a lot of the problems people complain about wouldn't be there. It's just, we, when you put get it down to it, in the series of X Men, X Men Origins Wolverine and um, First Class really screwed up the continuity of it, which is why they had to retcon the whole storyline. Yeah, um... Are, 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 we, are you, are you I, done I, with this one? Or? Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Otherwise I feel like we're going to go around in circles. Yeah. Uh, the first film that I'm going to say is completely underrated, if anyone actually remembers our likes from the first episode, uh, you'll notice my favourite film of all time, believe it or not, well, 
yeah, individual film of all time is Taken. And I think it's a solid, like, underrated film. It's a, like, admittedly, I am a Liam Neeson fanboy beyond all sort, without oh, any doubt. I love that man. But Taken is, in its own right, an amazing film. The concept is a great one. You know, father, ex military, ex this, that, and the other background. Uh, find has to find his daughter that's been kidnapped by drug trafficking. It was a very kind of almost well realistic with one unrealistic. Yeah, it was realistic edge. in the way that this could happen. It was unrealistic in the way Leonison is that good at killing people. Well, with the if you <laughs> take into consideration his military background, that's not the unrealistic parts. It's unrealistic that someone's going to have that sort of background. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> but then again, when you consider the laws of averages, it's bound to happen sooner or later. If you really think about it. Yeah, um, I enjoyed that film as well. I thought it was a solid action film, mm. just like like it's. Decent action film. It, I feel once again it's underrated. I feel Liam Neeson killed it in, in that role. Oh, he, he that speech. Everyone go loves that speech. For people who haven't seen the film will hear that speech. I will mm. find you and I will kill you. Yeah. Spoiler alert. He does that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no need for a spoiler alert. It's been out for more than three years. We yeah. covered that in the first episode as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. It, it was for me more the journey was absolutely epic the way he thought about things yeah. the sort of the fact that it all made sense when he did it it made sense to you like actually that's a great idea why would why would I not think of that mm. and obviously it's because he's got experience in this but I don't know it just kind of opens up little mind doors in my head and I'm just like ah oh, that's so awesome and just hear that one the kind of snappy one-liners and stuff and the betrayal it had everything but a love scene and I'm sorry but there are too many love scenes in films yeah we kind of got close to one didn't we yeah and uh, when that started coming up I was like please I just don't and then nothing it was great yeah exactly how it should have been unlike Taken 2 where the whole thing was a giant love scene yeah that one wasn't so good but (laughs) the first one absolute gem yeah. Alright, next um, one. Well, I'll keep on the track of another action movie. Um, it's Die Hard 4, 4.0. Uh, good Day. No, that's the, is it a Good Day to Die Hard or is that the one after that? Oh, um, no, it's not. Could be a Good Day to Die Hard. Or we'll say it is. Uh, I'm it's not sure no, if that's it's the Die Harder. Die Harder, something like that. But anyway, um, this is a great die-hard film. Now, I'm not going to sit there and say this was Bruce Willis's best performance as John McClane in general, because... It wasn't. Yeah, you can, see, you can see that in his acting, he's pretty much done with the role. He didn't really look like he was having fun playing the role, like as he did when he was in Die Hard 1. I think it was around the time Bruce Willis started phoning all his roles in just like yeah I'll just do it yeah I don't really care anymore but I felt the action was solid but sometimes a bit too Michael Bay-ish with like the plane crash on the bridge or whatever the helicopter crash Um, not a bit on the bridge or it's yeah that might be in the fifth one there's a bit in the bridge yeah when there's like a oh, jet, jet yeah the jet pilot okay 
yeah okay I got confused because yeah. yeah, yeah. No, obviously the helicopter crash was a bit excessive. With yeah, well, they're, that's part of Die Hard. Really, yeah, but that was like, that was like their big explosion thing of that's like their highlight reel with the car, the police car going. Yeah. Up the um, thing ramp. We'll call it a ramp. It was oh. used as a ramp. The main <laughs> shift ramp. Yeah. But I felt that the concept of the of the film with the story of the fire sale. I thought that was a brilliant idea. It brought Die Hard into our era, it, our digital era. It made it transcend so well, and they stuck to the characters. Yeah. They didn't make John McClane this all-knowing person. He had to overcome something that was completely new to him, and I thought it was a great aspect for the Die Hard series. Yeah, I like the a character who I really like, I and mean, I think he actually gets a bit of hate on the internet, and it's the. Um, uh, beta male or what the second ma- male the oh yeah, yeah I know who you're on about the who's a, yeah the hacker I thought he was really good I thought he was amazing in that film I didn't know yeah. he got hate yeah well no I just heard a few people just didn't like it and one thing you gotta say with these films is yeah it's a bit uh, he should be dead <laughs> yeah well I think if there were gonna be any hate towards things I think it would be the stereotypicalness it was a the, very patriotic of, film. <laughs> not just the patrioticness, but the way they portrayed geeks, the geek genre, yeah. was very stereotypical. But to be honest, I let that go when it comes to films because not being funny or anything, there are a lot of them out there. Yeah, but one of the highlights of that film to me isn't a piece of action. It's um, just before knowing the terrorists go up onto the screen and they. Did that speech of all the presidents, like oh, clips of all the presidents, amazing. and then it explodes the White House. I thought that little bit was amazing, like well edited piece of footage from all the presidents. And I just thought that bit was amazing. It's a great. I don't see why this gets hate as a diehard film. I tried to put more t- uh, Teddy Roosevelt than that. <laughs> oh, no, I wanted to put more Nixon. That there. is it, more Nixon. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think Teddy Roosevelt had a camera in his time. Oh, I'd be, I'd be surprised. We are, we are English, so we don't know the heroes of these presidents. Yeah, you have to forgive us on that one. Barack Obama was the first president, wasn't he? He <laughs> <laughs> was the first something president. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Die Hard 4, great film, really underrated. Uh, right, uh, the next film I want to cover, as long as... Yeah, I'm done with Die Hard. Uh, the Phantom Menace. Now I can feel the cringes at home. I really do, <laughs> as I say the words. But Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, to me was a great film, and people are probably sitting there going, "It's because it had Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson in it." And uh, yeah, well, to be fair, doesn't exactly lose bonus points with me. But I found once again, I found the character to be that sort of mentor. If you haven't noticed by yet, I love mentor-type characters. Which is one of the reasons I like Liam Neeson, because that's the role he plays. It's sort of in, uh, coincidental. But the whole film, like, it was the first one I, I think I remember seeing in cinema, because I was too we were, young yeah, to see we were, it. Yeah, we were way too young for the first I remember, about that. And I remember it was one of the first films I went to go see in the cinema as well, just ever. And I remember coming out of there 
And after, guess what spoilers, if you haven't seen it by now. When Qui-Gon Jim dies. I came out of that I came out of that cinema theatre in so many tears. And I remember my mum having to sit in the back seat with me and calm me down. And by calm me down I mean telling me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see when I think of that film, I automatically go to that end fight scene with Darth Maul, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan. I thought that was one of the most brilliantly choreographed like sword fights so to speak it was and it was just that heart wrenching mo- it had the heart wrenching moments in it like was the shield barrier going to come up was it was it no 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 and, and you just watch the kind of heart wrenching kind of no like God, you know, in, in Star Wars you've got yeah. to have that big no yeah, scream that there. Ewan McGregor no moment yeah. which pulled off Brilliantly, so kudos for that. Ewan. Ian McGregor to me was the saving grace of the whole prequel trilogy. I thought he was perfect in that whole oh, thing. I agree and with that. In that movie, he took a bit of a backseat because obviously they were establishing Qui Gon for the, to be this big thing. So people were devastated, like you. A lot of people weren't. Those people uh, don't like the character of Qui Gon, but um, I saw this thing online by another YouTube channel. And they sat there and they said, right, without saying their profession or like anything like that, explain who Han Solo is. And they would say scoundrel, things like Smuggler. Yeah, well, they can't say their profession, which we know that was his profession. Yeah. So it was like scoundrel, heartthrob, kind of laid back. Yeah. And then they did it with Qui-Gon. And then everyone was like, well, no, what was his deal? No one could remember. And I was like, these are people who were so fixated on the original trilogy that the first one was never going to live up to their hype. That and was a lot of the problem. Yeah, we grew up, like, well, the first thing I ever remember owning as a child was a VHS trilogy of the original trilogy of the digitally remastered. And I grew up watching those. They, were my, they are my favourite films, pretty much, apart from quite a few. But do you realise you just said they were my favourite films apart from quite a few? Yeah, they were some of my favourite films. Should I say? But I just I felt that after reading all these reviews in preparation for this episode, because I knew you were going to cover this because I suggested it to you. <laughs> um, I watched all these reviews, and all I heard was the way they talked about the original trilogy. There was no way they were going to enjoy anything else. It really does all come down to elitism, I think. Um, I mean, if you look at that film through the eye, what you can say, the eyes of a child. Yeah. You know, where you just don't have these sort of expectations. Everything amazes you. Like, it, your heart is pure sort of thing. It was an amazing film. Admittedly, there is so much hate for Jar Jar Binks. Oh, yeah. But as I said during the week, um, when we were discussing this uh, in preparation... Uh, Jar Jar Binks was a character that if you were young, you found funny, you found just... He was like the Ewoks. Ewoks, yeah. as a kid, are like really like something you enjoy seeing. But They just age well where Jar Jar Binks doesn't. Yeah. When you get older, you find this, like the lingo annoying, whereas you can't really find Ewok lingo annoying because you don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, but Jar Jar... He was that. I think he really was brought in to be that kind of child's laughter. Yeah, but what I liked is they saw the amount of hatred Jar Jar was getting, and through the rest of that prequel trilogy, 
he did less and less to the point he didn't even have a line in the third film he, he was in the background somewhere just standing there he was and in that, the other films <laughs> yeah that's exactly it they obviously looked at what the um, crowd the public were saying about their god awful character mm. and they went oh they're not liking it okay give them less and less which but, is the sort of thing you want to do yeah it was a good idea and uh Going back, I want to talk about uh, Hugh McGregor a bit in this film. Mm. Was um, I felt he didn't get to show off as much because, like I said, they were trying to establish him. But I think in the small parts he did, he really was good. He he really could have melded into the old. He could really meld into the older um, Alec McGuinness or whatever his name is version of Obi Wan. You could see that progression from that film. That film was a great starting point for Obi-Wan and a lot of people moaned that he was a bit whiny and bitchy. But what you understand is... Nobody starts off wise. Yeah, plus if you're a Padawan to Qui-Gon Jinn and another kid starts taking your place, your Jedi Master is kind of like a father figure to you. And it's kind of like if you're a small child and your parents have another child and that child starts having to have all the attention because well it's a baby mm. but you're a four or five year old kid you still want that attention but you're not getting as much yeah and that's how you got to see everyone is it's a grown up version of that a bit obviously not so <laughs> like in your face about it but he was reserved and even in his complaints his complaints were fucking logical there's <laughs> <So, laughs> no like major do you problems. think taking the child is wise after all we're taking a child that we met five minutes ago <laughs> now just for the sake of a counter argument I've got one thing to say in Star Wars episode one who was the main protagonist well, the thing is, it was supposed to be Anakin, but obviously he meets. He doesn't appear through. for the first yeah. five minutes. Yeah, like he only appears halfway through. But up to that point, you have to say the main protagonists are Obi Wan and Qui Gon. Qui Gon. Yeah. See, that was another question raised in that thing. If I was like, "Who's the main protagonist?" But, you know what? I don't know. But you know what? I think that's a good thing. Mm. I don't think there ever has to be a set protagonist if you do it right, and they yeah. did do that right. Yeah. If you've got an entire fucking galaxy, who cares about one particular fucker? Yeah, I agree completely. When I saw that, I was just like, do you know what, you guys are just too... Bitching for the sake of bitching. Yeah, I felt that they were too stuck in the past, and this is a film that isn't that... Whilst it was made for the old fans, it was also made to bring new fans in, and it succeeded in that. It did. I I loved the films after, like, after that. I went back, and admittedly, I'm not a Luke Skywalker fan. I think Luke's a fucking knob. Like, uh, just no. So for me, he doesn't live up to my Qui-Gon expectations. <laughs> well, there go half our viewers. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I'm a huge Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I'm a huge Skywalker fan. I see what you mean. He can be a little bit of a whiny bitch. Doofus. And he's incestuous. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason he's whiny, I think he had a bit of a right when he lost his hand. Okay, yeah, that one I'll him off. But that, I think it was over dramatic somewhat when he was like, You're my fault. What? No! <laughs> like that, that no was unnecessary. Was it though? 
could you imagine if that you were in that position? At least he knows who his fucking father is. Might get a birthday card now. <laughs> At that point in your life, do you wouldn't you just turn around and be like, after having no father? I'd ask for a DNA test for him. <laughs> <laughs> Intergalactic Jeremy Kyle sorts in. <laughs> but no, I, I think after when you're that age. Um, you probably don't really care anymore who your father is. I mean, there's going to be loads of people that are going to disagree with that. Yeah. They're probably your orphans, but... <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, he had the family background. Like, they were his family. Admittedly, that no was well-deserved. Um, but after that, like, after everything that Darth Vader did and that to him... You'd just be like, oh, well, fuck you. <laughs> just fuck yeah. you. Yeah. And now you want me to join you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> I'm on my home planet. And... <laughs> uh, Leia's home planet. Leia's home planet, sorry. Where did he come from? He, well, Tatooine. Tatooine. Oh. Well, screw yeah. it, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, we'll move on. How long have got? Yeah, no, just one film. Yeah, uh, my last one isn't actually just one film, it's two films because a new one came out. And it's the Amazing Spider Man series. So be very careful with spoilers for Amazing Spider Man 2 here because they might slip out. So. Giggly. Yeah, right, so I'll give you a five second gap to leave for you to avoid the spoilers. And five second gap over. Yeah. There's a pause button, they don't need a five second gap. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah Amazing Spider-Man series uh, me and you saw the first one in the cinema together uh, I thought it was really good a lot of people complain about Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man I thought he was a good Spider-Man I thought, I he, was thought he was a good Spider-Man I, I saw the other one <laughs> I thought he was a better Spider-Man but Tobey Maguire was a better Peter Parker I felt that if you melded yeah. their two roles you would have had the perfect Spider-Man so neither I feel hit it straight on the head yeah I mean the other thing I'm going to say about it is obviously Marvel don't really care whether they look I know it's not Marvel owning the film but if we take it as a Marvel type series for just the sake of argument here um, when we look at the Avengers okay Thor looks like Thor but not a lot of the others did and then Marvel changed it to that character so it's not like that wasn't a thing anyway Nick Fury wasn't always black no they changed him to black and I actually heard this in an interview in the comics they made him black just before they were starting to look for actors and uh, Samuel L. Jackson is a huge comic book fan and Nick Fury is one of his favourites and he opened it and he went that's me (laughs) 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 I thought that was brilliant but anyway we digress um yeah, so um, I felt that whilst neither hit it on the head, I felt Andrew Garfield came close because uh, Tobey Maguire, he played Peter Parker as this bumbling kind of nerd, which is what he is. But after he gets his powers and he's had them for a while, he becomes this sharp, witty kind of... He, he was kind of like the influence for Deadpool. Mm. And that's what Andrew Garfield plays. I mean, do you know how I kind of looked at The Amazing Spider-Man when it came out and I saw how they'd done the character? I mean, obviously, Spider-Man, how long ago was that written? 
1960. So there's been a long time that that like that origin story has been put into place. Yeah. When you kind of think maybe it's a little outdated, this one sort of brings it into a more relatable setting. Yeah, it did make a bit more sense with the parents and stuff like that. Especially when you see Amazing Spider-Man 2, that at the beginning they continue Spoiler. on. They continue on that oh, right. uh, Maybe story at the beginning with their death. Obviously, we know they're dead from the first film, uh, but we know what happens after they leave Peter and then we know why they left Peter later in the film when they have something that I didn't like yeah but um, one thing I'm going to move on to I'm going to move on from Spider-Man yeah. now from, well, from the actual Spider-Man character is uh, once again these stories are like um, flawless uh, there's a plot hole in the first one and it's the plan of the lizard. So be careful oh, for spoilers yeah. here. So the wow. plan of the lizard is to turn everyone into lizards using this special gas that he's going to fire into the ozone. But it's been established in the film before this that that gas only works for about 24 hours and then everyone reverts to the basic human-like state. So it wouldn't have been much of a problem. It would have just been... Right, let's just contain them for 24 hours. <laughs> like, most of them are fucking collapsed on the streets getting used to turning into lizards right now. <laughs> so, let's just contain them 24 hours later. If it's just a funny story for these people to have. <laughs> as, as a spider... Well, trying... To, absolutely trying my hardest to make some form of counter-argument. Um, when you consider Spider-Man as a character... He wouldn't then sit there, like, with this plan being as it is, he wouldn't sit there anyway and go, oh, well, I'll just let him do it. I mean, it's, it's only an inconvenience. I mean, think of all the public property damage. Yeah, people yeah. are turning into lizards. That's going to make out a lot of people's clothes, like, go a bit whack. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand why Spider-Man would do it, otherwise it just wouldn't be a Spider-Man. Yeah. Obviously, the plan itself for a world-leading scientist was a stupid one. It was a flawed plan, <laughs> but... Uh, Maybe he just wanted to feel love and loved and accepted for a day. Yeah. We'll say that was his plan. He wanted to feel loved and accepted for a day. And Spider-Man, being the evil villain that he is, said, no, no happiness for you. <laughs> Pretty much. You're a freak. Get used to it. Yeah. See, when I watch movies of Spider-Man, I constantly go back to... The original trilogy and I look at that and I compare it to the one we have now when I'm thinking about when I'm watching I'm just like this is what I want right now yeah like I'm, they're not perfect films by far they're solid seven out of tens yeah um so when I watched the first one I felt like I, I could relate to villains and stuff more in the original trilogy I can remember more about the villains in the original trilogy well, that's because you're an asshole, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the one thing they're doing in this in the new series, which I'm not quite liking, is every villain is because of Oscorp. Everything uh, falls back to Oscorp. But, spoiler alert, Norman Osborn is dead in this series, who is the original Green Goblin, which is why his son Harry takes it over in the second film. Well, he doesn't even take it over, he just becomes it. But... Yeah, um, didn't they make the games sort of a tie-in, though? 
and then they explained it in the game yes and no the first one yes you know the game that I'm talking about the main Spider-Man yeah well link it it. yeah (laughs) Um, the first one yes they did kind of tie it in a little bit the second one no the second one was basically a retelling of the origin yeah it was the first one that I'm talking about where you're walking through the lab with yeah. whatever his name is and he explains that he's taken it over Smite Smite that's it who is a which does explain thing. why it's still a thing yeah definitely um, but no the thing is I just obviously all these uh, villains have their own origins yeah and to root them all back to Oscorp I feel whilst it makes the story a bit more realistic well, as realistic as you can get when you've got a guy who's a Spider-Man and a guy who's basically electricity. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't know about the electricity guy because yeah. um, I haven't seen Amazing Spider-Man two yet. It's in the trailer. He falls into a bat of eels after being electrocuted. Electric eels. Note self. Find a vat of eels. <laughs> I would love electric powers. Um, but yeah, I can see what you're saying, especially where Connors is concerned. I mean, he, did he work for Oscorp in the originals? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, Doctor Connors in the originals was just—I think he was just a professor at the university that Peter was at. Yeah, I remember he used to be Peter's lecturer. That's why they knew each other. Yeah, but uh, in the film, he used to work with Peter's dad. I suppose that's more of a convenience thing, so that they yeah. can, without going into too much detail, say why he has access to all this amazing stuff. Yeah, the thing is with this, these two, this franchise obviously more is going to be built onto it after this point that we're talking um they're what they do they've made it really like nolan-esque like christopher nolan the batman series where it's all gritty and realistic they try to do that with this and yeah it's a good idea but we are in a world where there's superpowers so obviously it can't be (laughs) too realistic and i think they found that good balance there um one thing I do want to move on to because we'll get onto your one soon is one question for you Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane Gwen Stacy Gwen Stacy <laughs> like Mary Jane was hot and everything but Gwen Stacy is just so much less annoying Mary Jane was there just to be the thing for Peter to chase yeah I mean Gwen actually had a purpose she did stuff yeah like in Spider-Man 3 of the original they started giving Mary Jane a bit more character that she needed some attention from Spider-Man as, the, as opposed to the other way around as it had been in the two movies previous to that but Gwen Stacy was just so fucking awesome in the first two uh, spoiler alert there <laughs> for those who don't know but yeah sorry it's fine you can still enjoy it uh, a little yeah. less now <laughs> it, it's pretty much in the trailer yeah and everyone kind of went she's dead <laughs> yeah you know you'd avoid avoided saying it to just then oh well I think it was pretty <laughs> obvious um, yeah but I, I, I did know anyway from before yeah. I came out and you sat there and said oh this is the one where she'll die <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it was when they recreated that scene in the film because what happens is in the comic um, Green Goblin throws her off a bridge and Spider-Man's web catches her but she's already fallen so far that the amount of momentum when he catches her breaks her neck 
Whereas in this one, it's not on the bridge, it's in a clock tower. And uh, there's a bit of a flaw here because you've got this really old gothic clock tower, almost really cartoony clock tower in the middle of an electric kind of plug. <laughs> I know the I know exactly what your mouth was trying to avoid saying. <laughs> yeah. He was trying to You were sitting, you were sitting there struggling with the word clock tower. No. <laughs> clock clock <Yeah>. tower. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um she she so what happens is they're in this clock tower and um he uh, she starts falling and as he catches her instead of the residual momentum uh, snapping her neck as she gets to the bottom she smacks her head on the floor yeah. she, so he's literally that 10 seconds late and whilst in the comics it meant that it was all Peter's fault and that's why a lot of people criticise in this scene saying oh but it's not Peter's fault anymore it's the floor's fault it's like but it's still his fault. Yeah, I don't remember anyone blaming uh, the floor for the part where John McClane pushes the bloke uh, in the first film out a window. Yeah, just out you go. Oh, it's the floor's fault. Well, didn't push him out the window, so let, let him drop. But I don't see anyone blaming the floor on that one. <laughs> but so a lot of people felt that like the characters weren't this dimensional as the original. No, I agree with the villains. The villains were a bit shit. And in the second film, we got a fucking two minutes of Rhino. No exaggeration there. If you've seen the trailer, you have literally seen the whole entirety of the Rhino, minus about 30 seconds. I hate when films do that. I really do. Why bother doing stuff like that in a trailer if there's not actually going to be proper screen time? It's yeah. Origins. <laughs> Basically. Uh, but... Yeah, I thought these films were solid and I feel they get so much unnecessary hate because people feel... compare it to Spider-Man 2 which was like a landmark fucking superhero film I do feel the same on that one I, I love the amazing Spider-Man 1 I want to see the number 2 I never got round to doing it for reasons uh, but they, they were great films there's 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 no other word to describe it and I am someone that sat there and I have read the comics of Spider-Man like the older ones and I have yeah. sit, I saw the animated cartoons I saw nothing wrong with the Andrew Garfield ones no I felt that Andrew Garfield gave a solid performance as Spider-Man yeah, Emma Stone I've, gave a great performance as Gwen yeah. Stacy and as I said I'm sorry to repeat myself it brought it into the modern day it made it more relatable yeah and it was a grittier take on it and well, I felt as relatable as superpowers go yeah <laughs> but it, the way it was was they got the character more accurate in some circumstances like in the first like trilogy yeah. Spider-Man's powers like his webbing were part of him whereas in the comics that's not a thing yeah. so in the second one they have the web shooters yeah. and not being funny but if Spider-Man was as they said it around this time period anyway and if Spider-Man was in this time period that's more what his character would be like when you consider society as a whole yeah, definitely. There we go. We're going deep into this shit now. But, yeah, I think that's enough Spider-Man talk, really. Yeah, so we're not going deep into this shit now. <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh, we went um, deep into that shit just for a moment. It's your last one. Oh, if you haven't raged yet, you probably will now. Because uh, I'm not talking about the first one. I'm more talking about the second and third ones. The first one gets a lot of love. The first one does get a lot of love, and I think they all deserve love, but... That's just me, and we are, of course, talking about the Matrix series. 
I'll just give you a moment to run away and hide. Um, <laughs> no, the second and third one, they were good films. Like, as admittedly, probably didn't need them. Uh, no. Well, actually, yeah, it did leave, end on a giant cliffhanger, the first one. I can't really remember it. I've only seen the first one. I, uh, I think saw that they, once. They, uh, I think they ended on a cliffhanger. Don't quote me on that one. And then the second one is because it didn't live up to everyone's expectations because of the first one it got overhyped yeah. overdone and then they went on to the second one and it just didn't live up to the first one's dream because there wasn't this whole mind blowing experience that was most of what made the first one so good was it was all this new mind blowing stuff the whole slow-mo effects people hadn't really the done bullet time I think it's called yeah. isn't it bullet time whatever they want to call it like that hadn't really been done in films yet so when people saw that, they thought it was incredible. The whole concept of the thing was something brand new. But carrying on something that's brand new doesn't keep it brand new. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and obviously it continued in the world that they were in, and they tried to make it as sort of keep up to date fresh as possible with all these fresh stuff. And it, people were just, they weren't happy with it. And it really does sadden me because I thought they were great films. There were so many great action sequences. There was such a great little plot line for me. For me. Yeah. And I don't know, I just... See, um, I only saw the first one and I actually only saw that about a year ago. So I think the reason the first Matrix got a lot of love is one, because of the story, but mainly because of the visual effects. It was amazing to watch visually. But when I watched it, I was accustomed to these, so I could appreciate them, but they weren't so spectacular to me, which is why I haven't went, gone and watched the second or third one, because one, I heard how disappointing they are, and two, I wasn't so like huge on the first one, so if the first one is not great to me, I'm probably going to find the second or third one like worse if everyone else does. They do go off on a tangent, but like on the second and third one, I say a tangent, it's the sort of, there's a background into Matrix that you're not really much shown in the first one. Like this is me trying to avoid too much spoilers. Um, like there's a background sort of thing going on that they sort of introduce into the second and third one a lot more big, like it's a big part of them. Um, whilst trying to keep the world that you are aware of and that everyone knows and loves but it's trying to find that balance they may not have found the best balance I don't think that makes it any less of a good film yeah uh, it's a film I probably will watch one day it's not one I'm going to rush out to watch yeah but go, if, I, if it's anything like the first one in terms of actions and visual then I imagine they're not as bad as people make out but if they like differ from that too much, then I can see some complaints and their reasons behind it. But it wouldn't ruin the film to me. Exactly. Um, I think it comes from the fact that there's no. I don't. Well, don't quote me on this one, but I don't think there's any sort of literature that they were basing this film off of. I don't think there was a Matrix book. Um, so they had free roam to do whatever they wanted. And they did, and people didn't like it. Uh, but people couldn't blame the fact that he didn't stick to any kind of book. So they, oh, sorry. Um, so they blamed the fact that, oh, it was a terrible film. But it wasn't. They were good films. That's, that's all I can really say, to be honest. On yeah. it. I don't really have anything to say on them. 
Bottom. Do you have another film? Uh, no, that's it for me. All right. Well, that's. Uh... Yeah. Uh, before, for the sign off, I was just going to mention to follow Room Two Three Seven on Twitter and Facebook and find them on Portsmouth. They're obviously the people who give us our comic book recommendations. Uh, yeah. Remember to like and subscribe our YouTube channel. Go visit our YouTube channel to see the news segment of the week. Um, remember to like, save us, favourite us on SoundCloud so you can keep up to date with us. We Hello. have Twitter, uh, 3FPC Podcast. At 3FPC Podcast. Then obviously you've got the SoundCloud which you're on. And the Facebook page. So there's lots of options. Come find us. Show us love. Tell us what you think your most underrated films were. Maybe we cracked the nail on the head for you. Maybe we didn't. Maybe we missed a few things. Tell us about them. Yep. Right. I've been Dan. I've been Alex. And see you later.